episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on March the 23rd, 2021. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, racking up Franken-content... Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we will, of course, discuss the games that we've played. EA Play came to Xbox Game Pass this past week. Japanese company takes a day off for Monster Hunter Rise launch. Disco Elysium, the final cut, was refused classification in Australia. We'll have a weekly community corner and a Steam Discovery queue should time and our awakeness levels allow. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. So, let's see. Uh, yeah, it's we're, we're getting pretty close to a customary hour where we just like talk <laughs> shit before we start recording. Um, and we, we, we had Craig running for a decent portion of it, and he didn't crash during the Franken content, so... Thankfully, everything that he yeah, don't gets worry. He'll before out he crashes for too long. Oh my god, <laughs> that's a reference back to the Franken content, folks. So if you remember that when it shows up in the future, you'll know. Um, but there's never any issue with anything that was recording up to the moment where he stops working, and it has something to do with Discord. Like, I, there's uh, if you go look on the Craig website, there's a bunch of like, you know, facts, and like at the very top, it's like. You know, Craig frequently disconnecting from your Discord server has to do with Discord itself. I literally can't fix it. <laughs> okay. And there's alternatives, and I keep intending to research them, and I just, you know, never get around to it. Yeah, uh, desktop Georg again. Uh, don't worry. Yeah. Uh, when Microsoft buys the Discord, you know, they'll just make it shittier. Right. Or uh, I, it's not a new stuff because I wasn't sh- oh, as I hit the mic because of course I did. Uh, uh, there, there's talk of. Microsoft uh, being in a bidding war to get Discord. Yeah, I've seen that. I didn't think we would have a lot to talk about on it. It's just, I remember when they bought Skype. Yeah, I mean, sometimes Microsoft does real good, and sometimes they don't do good at all. So it's just a roll of the dice how Microsoft would do if they bought Discord. I can't believe Microsoft hasn't tried to buy Zoom. You know what I discovered today? I'm just immediately going to go off topic. Uh, oh, let's go for it. Did you know that you can send faxes directly from Windows without needing to buy any additional, like, e-fax service? Uh, no, I didn't. I learned that today from a YouTube channel that I, I watch called Cathode Ray Dude. I think I might have sent you this channel before, but if I haven't, uh, if you like... Yeah, send me a, a link to that one again, just in case. If If you like technology connections, you will like this guy. Um... It is an excellent YouTube channel that, like, does deep dives on weird stuff like, uh, you know, like I just said, you can fax directly from your Windows PC. Or he, like, bought a modem and set up, like, his his own home internet, but with a modem because reasons. Okay, I wasn't subscribed to him, but I am now. Um, He does a lot of stuff with, like, old school, like, uh, film cameras or film and TV cameras, like, but broadcast cameras, so... Um, not necessarily just like camcorders or whatever, like back in the day, 10, 20, $30,000 pieces of equipment. Um, it's a really good channel. Yeah. Uh, technology connections is also a fun one. Yeah. Uh, like you mentioned. Yeah. Fun. If you like this kind of stuff, weird, random technology bullshit. 
But I love it. I've learned so many things. I've, I've learned so many practical things from Technology Connections because he looks into, like, your dishwasher and mm-hmm. your washer and dryer yeah. and your heating and yeah, stuff. Yeah, when I sent you that thing about the dishwasher, it's like, oh, we use that. Maybe, maybe we should. <laughs> maybe we should do things differently. And not only do we save money... But we save time and get a better wash of our dishes after after. Oh, so you that. actually did that? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I did. I do that. We save money, time, and have cleaner dishes because of it. I wasn't sure if you actually followed through because sometimes you're lazy. Yeah, no. Hey, you, you can't fault me there. No, I cannot fault you there. Yeah, another one. Uh, uh, it's old entertainment. So, um, I've ever sent you hats off entertainment. No, you have not. Okay, uh, yeah, he does a lot of old, uh, like silent to uh, to early talky uh, movies or, or 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 groups. He'll uh, talk about forgotten failures. Uh, so his latest one was uh, a mini uh, documentary about Lauren Hardy. Then he did a forgot uh, the Honeymooners remake, Forgotten Failures. This was the one in the nineties. Yeah. Uh, talked about the charity kid not too long ago. One of the few Sinbad movies. Um, mm-hmm. Talked about Bushwhacked, which was a 1995 pseudo uh, sequel to Home Alone. So, yeah, it's an interesting random uh, assortment of obscure and old uh, entertainment stuff. And I'll send you a link to it. There you go. Uh, I link to the videos because it's easy to... S- easier to see what exactly what they're doing like okay. he, like he did an appreciation video of larry fawn uh the middle stooge mm-hmm. nice also for anyone out there listening who wants some interesting world war ii well not not specifically world war ii but uh documentaries and content that focuses primarily around old school warships i found a youtube channel called i, I think it's pronounced draken draken eiffel not 100 percent sure but I watched a two and a half hour documentary on there about the Japanese A six M zero with my kid oh, over the weekend slash yesterday, and the content on that channel is excellent. My favorite series of his that I've found so far is uh, called the Five Minute Guide to Warships dot 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 more or less, and one of his most popular ones is thirty six minutes. <laughs> so, Five Minute Guide to Warships, thirty six minutes, but. Yeah, I, I also sent you a link directly to that video. Okay. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe these will wind up in in the ch- in the show notes. Maybe not. Who knows? Uh, depends on if I remember it. And I do want to apologize uh, for the show going out late last week. I think what it was is I was busy Friday, so I typed up the show notes, got called away, and then I closed the tab without publishing because the file was there, which is uploaded immediately whenever I start to do the show notes. Yeah. So either I wandered off, which is probable because had the niece over uh, later that day and was trying to get ready. My internet had a hiccup whenever I went to publish or just something went uh, off on Podbean's end. I'm leaning towards, uh, I made the mistake just because I was busy as hell that day. Yeah. Which is fair enough. People make mistakes. So if you made that mistake, I love you. Hate me, hate me. (laughs) Oh, I'll hate you, all right. I I don't think Um, I like that either. (laughs) So, 
what I, the the thing that I initially was going to talk about, and somehow we got off on this, which you know, this is excellent grade A video game content. Yeah, uh, I watched the uh, Snyder cut of Justice League over the weekend, which dropped on HBO Max last week, and I I was I wasn't going to because I honestly didn't care at first, but then after seeing for like a week, everyone on Twitter being either polar. One way, like, see, see, we told you the Snyder Cut was the superior version of the film. It was a masterpiece, you fools. And, yeah, I don't see what the big deal is about it. It was still a big pile of shit. Like, I was like, all right, I have to watch it now. I can't not. And, um, you know, it's okay. It's better than the theatrical re- release or the extended cut. But uh, it's still not a great movie. So, there you go. I, I, that's That's it. If you watched it, it's basically the same thing but with more scenes. It's like a four-hour movie. They did do a very nice thing, though, that I like, which is it's broken up into parts. And so it'll, you know, act one, and then act one place, and then, it'll, you know, you'll get a black screen. Act two. That's like, all right, good good time to pause. Go take, take a, a break, shit. Go pee, whatever. So that was nice. But, I mean, it's like... The, the Justice League originally was, like, uh, a D minus, like... Maybe even an F plus. It was barely a functionable movie, and now it's like a C minus. It's 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 okay. So that's there one you thing go. I don't get I, is okay. I understand at, on a marketing level why DC wants to emulate Marvel on this because yeah, Marvel is making stupid amounts of money with the uh, with their cinematic universes now expanded universe going into t- and. Uh, TV shows on uh, Disney Plus and the like. But why has DC never tried to really capture what they did great in the 90s with the animated uh, universe? Because honestly, I don't really think a majority of their characters translate as well to real life. You either get really cheesy looking or Batman. Yeah. And the cheesy looking can work, but you've got to lean into it. But they don't. They don't lean into it. Yeah, but the thing the is... The only that- movie they leaned into it with was, was Shazam. And Shazam was great, but it doesn't fit at all with the rest of the continuity they've tried to create with the rest of their DC extended universe. And that's the thing is that if you try to do a Justice League movie where you have, you know, grim, dark Batman or, you know, uh, you know uh, Adam West Batman, if you want to go for the camp route, but even then it's just... I don't think Adam West Batman would really work all that well these days. No, definitely uh, especially not. in a movie. No, the only I think the only way Adam West Batman would work in a movie is if it was some type of parody or satire. Mm-hmm. Like you would have to go into it with like, yeah, we're you know we're, or, we're being or real tongue in cheek with this, ta- or it's targeted to kids. Yeah, which you know a lot of the rogues gallery for Batman just does not fit for kids, really at all. <laughs> I, I liked the tone that the that the Snyder Justice League actually cut because it it told it it dialed back on the grim dark like it's still serious and I I think they made that work but it it's nowhere near as grim dark as the previous like uh, Batman versus Superman was or the Superman movie uh, what was it Man of Steel um, Wonder Woman is is its own interesting thing like that's a success story in a in a vacuum wonder woman is a great example of when you when you match 
uh, a good director with someone in management who either gives a damn or knows what they're doing. Because the second Wonder Woman movie was hot garbage. That was terrible. And what they did was they just took all the reins off. They're like, yeah, Patty Jenkins, you were great with the first one. We'll let you have full creative control. And she fucked it up. Sometimes you need to be told no. Yeah, Boundaries. And, yeah, and here They're I'm, important. And here I'm thinking about their more recent uh, animated movies. Like uh, The Killing Joke. Uh, that one is, is I, I, lauded I, as one of the best. I, I know this is still like five years old now. Uh, but it took what was a very short comic slash graphic novel, depending on how you want to cut it uh, there, and expanded it out to be a very good, if not short, animated movie. But they just, they they are so fixated on trying to out-Marvel Marvel to bring it back around to video games. It's sort of like in the early 2000s when everybody was trying to out-Warcraft World of Warcraft when they already had two or three expansions worth of content. You know, you're not going to catch up doing the exact same thing, trying to be bigger and better when you don't have the backstory and, and all the supplementary uh, uh, work put out yet. Yeah, that almost never happens. There are there are a few examples of where it does, and everyone thinks that they're going to be that instead of one of the one of the ones on the heap of failures. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, another entry into the death of a video game series. Right. Um. Let's uh, speak of video games, right? Let's rein it in. We're at what fifteen minutes minus a little bit for the setup, and so this this will probably be at like twelve to thirteen minutes on the recording. Uh, so let's let's talk about the games that we played and, this week. And speaking of death of a video game, uh, how about death yeah. of a video game series? Torchlight three. Holy shit! Oh, where to even start with this one? It, it, Torchlight is an interesting series. Uh, the first one, it was a very basic ARPG that I played a fair amount and actually beat. But Torchlight 2, it felt like they took all the lessons they learned from the first one and looked at the other ARPGs in the uh, genre and really refined it and got the action right. They got the customization right. And then I guess they hit their head and, and they were bought out by Perfect World Entertainment and forgot literally everything. This is worse in uh, customization than Torchlight 1. It, 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 it's just astonishing what they did with this game. So this was the Torchlight game that was originally going to be a free-to-play MMO uh, ARPG. Uh, think Path of Exile. Before they it got some backlash and changed publishers a couple times before Perfect World Entertainment got, into, got involved. And put it out as a $40 ARPG or on Game Pass because, uh, you know, uh, the best deal in video gaming, right? Right. And, okay, d- just to give you an example. Remember all the customization options you had with the builds uh, in Torchlight 2? I-, I know you weren't a fan of Torchlight 2, but you enjoyed your time with it. I enjoyed my time with it. Um, I especially enjoyed whenever we, we were playing together I, mm-hmm. I tried to play it a bit solo and it's i mean it's fine just not the typical type of game that i enjoy playing on my own yeah uh to give you an idea the talents they stripped them down to one tree and some change in torchlight 2 is your entire customization in torchlight 3 
there's, I'm going to say, sub-20 talents total across three trees, while the talent trees in Torchlight 2 were 16 or 17 uh, talents each, uh, full of interesting random abilities that you could uh, pick up. Uh, yeah. They have four classes that you can pick from. The uh, Essentially, your archetype mage, your archetype archer, a railmaster that's able to summon a train behind them to customize, and then a robot. And all of them share one of five relics, and each class has two unique tr- t- uh, talent trees. And each talent tree is... Focused on laser focused on one very 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 particular type of play. So like uh, the forge, the robot, which is what I ended up playing for a bit. It's either you're focused on this uh, alternate ability that you have, uh, your forged cannon, which is essentially a machine gun in your chest for ranged combat, or you dive in for melee. So you're already taking a very shallow amount of talent points and cutting them in half and all the mm. and all four characters they also share a relic which mind you you pick before you even play so your first character is most likely going to be a throwaway because unless you sit and spend a lot of time looking at those talent trees that they show you you are not going to pick a relic that's going to be uh, useful to you there's one for electricity there's one for poison there's one for bleed damage there's uh, trying to think of the other two and i'm completely blanking on them but that's where a lot of the passives that you're able to generate to get uh, comes from and some of them are just completely useless for some classes they're more for a a ranged attack or aoe attack and if you're Mm -hmm. not in a supplementary class to that it's a completely wasted relic and you cannot change them at all. It's just a dumb mechanic. And on top of that, the way they handled the talent trees in general uh, feels like a waste of time. So they went with the Path of Exile system of if you want to remove a talent point. In the previous games, you were able to remove the last five talent points you know, before mods, of course. Oh, And of course, there's no mods at all for this because they're focused on the multiplayer uh, uh, you know pseudo competitive because of course right uh, you were able to remove the uh, That's last five talents you? in your in the previous games with money and this you have to find respectacles and they are either very rare to find or very expensive to buy and the stores carry what seems to be a very limited Sending stock so you have to wait for the stores to restock and it is just <sighs> It's one of those things that it feels like... Oh, yep. Hello? Oh, did everyone drop out? Did I drop out? Okay, well, that was interesting. Oh, hi! Uh, it sounded like... Well, it sounded like my connection dropped there for a moment while I was sitting there and ranting about how Torchlight 3 has basically the remnants of all the free-to-play mechanics, but uh, makes them just time sinks. Yeah, so I you definitely dropped out. I couldn't hear you. I was about to send you like I was in the process of typing a message to you. Yeah, I and yeah, I just popped you up. You came back. Or I just heard the noise uh and I see we lost Craig too, so it wasn't just me. 
Yeah, I'm not sure if we lost Craig because Discord fucked up or because Craig died. So I'm going to try to summon Craig again and see what happens. Um, oh, looks like Craig might be broken. Well, Craig's dead. <laughs> oh. Oh. Nope. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, feel, uh, feel free to carry on. Uh, well, I was talking about how uh, the respect ta- uh, uh, in this is completely different, where it's you have to use a... Oh, there's Craig again. Yay. Thanks, Craig. Uh, you have to use a item called Respectacles, and they're either very rare or very expensive. Unlike in the previous two games where you could remove the last five talent points that you, uh, that you put in place with just some gold before mods, and there's no mod support for this game whatsoever, even in single player. It's just, there's a lot of questionable decisions that feels like they're all remnants of when this was a free-to-play game a lot of time wasting um the uh the map that you have to trudge through several times is this big expansive uh, hub world yeah that is i want to say a good three or four times bigger than any level we encountered in torchlight 2 it is just a slog to have to go to the next quest because there's no way to know which way to go because every time you go back there, it resets the map. Now, it doesn't change the layout of the hub world. It just cleans the map off so you have to try to remember, okay, which way did I go last time? (laughs) Another thing that feels like it's just wasting my time, honestly. Uh, They gave... uh, one thing that's kind of neat that they did, that they did was they, uh, but it feels wasted because of how often you get legendaries. Is that each legendary you also unlock the ability to essentially equip them in a legendary slot to get the set bonus while not having to use the actual legendary, and the different legendaries have different uh, unique abilities, and it's actually one of the few things that actually sets combat apart because otherwise it's just a boring 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 slog of countless amount of goblins in the opening area because there's just really nothing to differentiate the the, you know the classes uh, even from the get-go the only difference is oh well this one is summoning a train every so often this one has to keep track of arrows that's uh, been used uh, to summon Mm -hmm. abilities and while each of the classes do have their unique mechanic, it they play essentially the same. Uh, every time I came across a mini-boss, they felt exactly the same in mechanics. Where, oh no, I have to watch out for it throwing uh, uh, some random projectile up in the air that makes these bright uh, glyphs on the ground that I have to move out of. And... Uh, Another thing that kind of got me, and it, I'm not sure if it's just unique to to my game or what. It's just that it was very sluggish to loot. It, it was sort of like you in Red Dead Redemption, where it felt like the game had to sit and wait for a while in order to loot. And you couldn't set the pet to go grab stuff this time around because that would have been far, far, far too useful. The pet is instead a always on aggressive there's no way to control it as far as i can tell and you could swap out pets for that learn different abilities 
and eventually you unlock enough abilities that you're able to pick and choose what pet you want in general. And if it, and I think they're all cosmetic outside of what abilities they learn in the get-go. But I've just found the pet caused more trouble than what it's worth because it was off doing its own thing while I'm sitting here trying to pick up this bit of gold that may or not be glitched because uh, the game uh, took you know, a good five or ten seconds to start picking up loot after combat. It seems like for every interesting or decent thing it does, there's like five or six steps backwards. Uh, another good example of this is the fortress. So very early in the game, uh, you clear uh, goblins out of this dilapidated fortress and the, and the local town decides, oh, we'll just give it to you. You know, it, it's not worth fixing up, I guess. You know, it smells too much like goblin guts. And it's another one of those times that it feels like a... It feels like a mobile game because you have to go out and collect resources to be able to build in the fortress. And the and the resources are very, actually, rare to find. You have to uh, look around for boulders to mine. You have to look around for trees to cut down, uh, outcroppings of ore to mine. And then you take them all back to the fortress and you run them through the processing uh, facilities. And then you're just sitting there for a couple minutes doing you know jack all while you're waiting on timers it just felt like uh, they could have done something more interesting with this now there is a lot of option to customize and decorate it but why at this point right yeah because honestly honestly if i'm playing arpg i'm wanting something with actually decent combat and this is building combat very, very, very boring characters, unless there's something that unlocks l later that I don't know about. Because the legendary uh, 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 equipment slot, you only get one for the first, I think it was 20 or 30 levels. Uh, the relic system is just, I don't know why they decide, okay, well, you pick your character. Okay, now pick one of five relics that you're going to be stuck with. Oh, and you can't even take the character online because... There's a segregation of single and multiplayer characters because, of course, there is. So if we wanted to play together and we'd both been playing a decent amount, we'd both start from scratch, right? Well, that's that's nice. It's not. I'm being sarcastic, but... Honestly, unless you're really, really hip on the idea of building your own fortress, which I don't know why, or one of the few things that they do different... Uh, combat was like uh having it where the pets are more not even active role because that's the thing is that thinking about it i mean you were able to customize the pets even more in torchlight 2 by teaching them spells uh if you really liked robots i don't know i i'm just having trouble to really think of a reason to even play this game it's just torchlight 2 does all this but better plus it has mod support so you could you know, add in more content. And even the end game, when you get to the end game past the story, is the same as Torchlight 2, only worse. Uh, it's essentially a, uh, uh, a roguelite uh, dungeon crawler where you pick one of three dungeons to go through and uh, until you get to a checkpoint. And if you fail before the checkpoint, you go all the way back to the start. And because the game has limited bosses for this mode, because it's pulling modes or it's pulling bosses from the main story, 
you end up playing against the same bosses over and over and over again. It's just, go play Torchlight 2. Torchlight 2 is cheap. You can get it cheap. You can get mods for it. I can't think of a really a reason to play this one. I actually uninstalled it before we started recording tonight because after a couple of hours, uh, it felt like I saw all I needed to see. Uh, that, that uh, what is it? Like a six, uh, uh, something out of 10 is way, 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 way too generous. Oh, sorry. 52% out of uh, uh, 222 uh, recents. That's way too generous. I would say this is a good four out of 10. And that's a modern 4 out of 10, by the way. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's talk about a game, uh, having a, another one of our mini game clubs, maybe. I don't know how much yeah. you've actually played uh, this. but uh, uh, You've definitely played more of it than I have, because I got distracted by two things about this game. And I hadn't uh, played a lot beyond the, pr- uh, the prologue. Actually, none beyond the prologue. Okay, so we played uh, Star Wars Squadrons as part of the EA Play Pass, Game Pass, whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I played it. I've I played most of the way through the single player. Like, I looked up a little bit about the game to see, like, kind of where I was and, like, you know, close to finishing it and <clears throat> what sort of things there were to do in the single player mode. And I'm, I'm going to bitch about that in here in a little bit. But I've played through about three quarters or so of the story. Um, yeah, uh, you know a lot more about Star Wars canon than I do, so I have a canon question. Okay. Uh, is it canon that all spaceships, their controls are utter dog shit? <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. You conflated EA's shitty design with uh, Star Wars stuff. Yeah, so this game is... Everyone has said, like, in every review and news outlet and things I see online, like, the way to play this game is in VR with a HOTAS. And, like, I get it. Like, sure, that probably is the best way to play this game. Most people don't have a HOTAS or VR, and perhaps there's some good crossover between those two demographics. But, you know, that's those are still both two niche pieces of equipment, uh for playing video games. So, cause I mean, both of them are expensive. Like a good Hotas can be as much as a VR headset. Like it's crazy how expensive they can get. So I have not got my Hotas back out of storage cause I put it away. And I haven't got it back out to play. So I've been playing with the controller. The default control scheme for this game though was terrible. Um, cause it's pitch and yaw on the right thumbstick and roll on the left thumbstick. And anyone who's ever played any flight game ever oh, knows that you put you put pitch and roll on the right thumbstick and yaw on something that isn't the other thumbstick. Oh, and they didn't have inverted flight turn on uh, turned on. Yes, normally in the options menu, if you turn inv- inverted flight on, it makes it uninverted because the default is inverted for flight because that's how flight controls work and also how your neck works. If you don't play with inverted, you're just wrong. At me. Fight me, but anyways, well, no, it's you okay have to that turn on wrong. inverted. You have to go turn on inverted for for flight controls. But yeah, and so I, yeah, the and default I got to the control where, setup for this game is dog shit. Yeah, and I got to the point where I realized, okay, I have to reconfigure everything. And also, I'm not sure what they mean by combo button. And I was looking, trying to figure out, okay, 
combo to hit boosters. What the hell is this? And combo? Yeah, because the default uh, was something combo. Uh, is, are you talking about to do like the slide, the power slide? Well, well this was the booster in the uh, X-Wing. It was a, a button plus a, uh, uh, the uh, th- throttle up, which was left stick up, I think. And it was yeah, and it was just I was in the middle of rebinding everything. It was and I got to that part in the uh, prologue where okay, now you need to use the booster. Yeah. Oh wait, I did. How am I supposed to rebind this? It's just the the default for the booster was clicking down the left thumbstick. So I don't know if your rebinding process if it got reset or turned to something else weird. Yeah, but. yeah there's just something uh, talking about combo, and I have no idea what it's talking about. I'm about to just uh, turn on uh, my uh, chat pad and start rebinding things to the keyboard. <laughs> um, because uh, I'm a, I'm a mad person. I could do that. Right. So, I mean, Star Wars Squadrons is basically what feels like a, re- a reboot of Rogue Squadron that they hoped that people who played Rogue Squadron either didn't remember it or, or quit playing video games or died. Cause this or is had like, their thumbs broken and uh, were having to play with their nose because that would make uh, the controls make more sense. Th- yeah, this plays like a worse version or a less feature complete version of Star Wars Rogue Squadron, which released in like the mid nineties or the late nineties on the Nintendo sixty four. It's got about the same length uh, single player story campaign, um, but it has less less ships, both default and unlockable less additional story content and obviously rogue squadron didn't have multiplayer um well i mean i guess it could have had local but it did not have multiplayer but so much of of star wars squadron's gameplay is focused on the now dead multiplayer component that i mean really the only reason to play it is to to play the single player adventure and I personally have enjoyed it. I think this game appeals more to someone who doesn't have as much knowledge about Star Wars lore. Um, so there's me. some Easter eggs. Yeah. There's, there's a couple of things that it's like, if you know what they're talking about, you're like, Oh, okay. They're talking about this thing, but everything here is like made up whole cloth. It's not related to anything else in the story that I'm aware of. Um, you know, the, the, the larger canon. It's just like a self-contained story. Where you play uh, one of two pilots, because you play both the Empire and the Alliance side of things. So it's like these two made-up characters that are dropped into a story well, they're that all made itself up is... Jared. They're all made-up Well, fair play. <laughs> but whatever. Anyway, so you're, you know, you're dropped into these stories that is, that is pretty much completely self-contained. The first mission is like during the... Like between the Death Star blowing up Yavin... And um, some other stuff. Is it after? It's it's after Anyways, the first you know, uh, destruction with the Death Star. Yeah, and I think before the Death Star got blown up. No, it's after Alderaan. It's yeah, over, it's over after Alderaan. they blew up yeah. Alderaan. Yeah, before the Death Star is blown up at Yavin, and but then it jumps ahead to post Return of the Jedi, um, and it's a completely self-contained story, and it's it's interesting, it's fun, it goes along very much with like the Star Wars MacGuffin style of storytelling. Um, and it, it's 
there are, there are moments where that you can spend time getting to know the characters that are in your squadron, but it's not got a whole lot of faffing about. You can completely skip all of those if you don't want to. The only stuff that it makes you participate in are the main mission briefings, but um, the, the game is clearly set up for VR uh, because you can, like, um, move around, like, well, not move around, like, you can't walk. There are just different points you can pick, and you can, like, inspect your spaceships, and you can sit in the cockpit and look around and zoom in on things, and all that's pretty neat for a minute. And I'm sure it's better in VR, but um, for the most part, I'm just interested in talking to the uh, my squad mates, um, getting to know their backstories a little bit. Uh, on a blocky to... background, of course. I didn't have that. I went I, back I, after you... I noticed it pretty much immediately that there was some severe artifacting in uh, the, uh, the cutscenes. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. Or maybe I just know I didn't... where to look for it. But I like, didn't notice it. I but like the first few cutscenes are just or at least on my system. Maybe it's just I have like the perfect balance of uh, video settings were horrendously blocky. Yeah, I did not notice that because I went back I'm and to I go, looked uh, download uh, open uh, uh, OBS to record this to show you. I mean, I, I believe you. I don't think you're lying to me, but it's just like I didn't experience it. So I don't know if it's a hardware thing, a graphic settings thing, or I wasn't paying attention and maybe it's something in like that specific area because you get different hangers and backgrounds and things as you go through in the story. Cause uh, yeah, you move well, from location. Well, location. I wasn't talking about the hangers. I was talking about the, the story cutscenes. Uh, the, not the in engine cutscenes that it's doing, but the ones at the very beginning yeah. of the game. Oh, okay. Yeah. Those, yeah I those, have no idea. Yeah, I didn't go back were, and look at those. Those were horrendous for me. Okay. I would have to go back and check those out, actually, because I don't think, I mean, maybe towards the end of the game, there's some more of that, but everything else from that point on is, like, in-engine, and, like, as you're going around the ship and looking at people, which I, I, like, I think they did a really good job with that, like, the backgrounds, like, you're doing a briefing, and if you look around in the briefing, and, like, you look out the window, for example, like, you might see, like, a a ship fly by, and, you know, if you're the Empire, it's a a TIE fighter or, yeah. you know, like a cruiser or something. And if you're the Alliance, it's a rebel blockade runner or, you know, a B wing or something like that that flies by the window, stuff like that. Just nice little touches. Um, good immersive world building. Um, I mean, I'm not really going to spoil the story. Like I said, it's the most interesting part of the game. The gameplay is fine. Everything that I've read says that like, if you're playing with a controller, keep it on one of the lower difficulties. If you play with a HOTAS, turn the difficulty up. The first time you play through, put it on like a really low difficulty so you can explore all the story stuff. Um, and then after that, like you're playing it for, you know, I guess the scale or the enjoyment. Yeah, I think I'm on the and second it, difficulty, but because I'm having to go through and rebound everything, it's just, you know, I'm kind of there. Yeah. The gameplay is fine. I mean, you go through your first few missions on both the Empire and the Rebel side, or I guess the Alliance, because after Return of the Jedi, like they formally create the New Republic. Um, but, uh, the, the first few missions are sort of extended tutorial where that you are slowly introduced to a few of the special mechanics that specific ships have. Like there's a, uh, the U-Wing for the rebels is like their support ship. And there's, there's a ship called a TIE Reaper, which is like a support ship that drops shields and ammo and stuff for people. So it's got a very arcade feel in that. Like there's a dedicated button that you can push where your support person like the dedicated support person in your squad is like yep here's a an ammo drop so that you can replenish your missiles and stuff and get some repairs yeah, like out of it was the y-wing <clears throat> uh to uh, replenish your missiles that 
honestly, by the time they locked on, I was either uh, pretty much destroyed the TIE Fighter or, uh, yeah, someone else destroyed it. So I ended up not really using them. Yeah, they'll become more. I mean, if you keep playing, they be, they become becomes more prominent, especially for the Imperials because only the Tie Reaper has shields on the Imperial side, so you you use repairs a lot more. Oh goody. Um, but anyways, the once you get a few missions in, though, it opens up and starts letting you choose what ship you want to fly and what the loadout is for the ship. And I've kind of got a favorite loadout and a favorite favorite ship based on the way that I play the game. But there's um, five... Well, actually, I don't know if there's five in the campaign. There's five different ships for each faction in the multiplayer, and there's definitely four in the campaign. They added one for each side post-launch, so it might might not be usable in the campaign. I'm not sure. Um, and it, I mean, it's your standard <clears throat> stuff. It's uh, X-Wing, Y-Wing, A-Wing, U-Wing for the Rebels, and then yeah, they're for the really Imperials... <laughs> there's a there's a book in the new canon that's called Alphabet Squad, and every person on the the squad uses a different letter ship, and that's their whole gimmick. Um, so they have they have capitalized on that joke and made a successful book series out of it. But then for the Imperials, you've got your Tie Interceptor, standard Tie Fighter, Tie Bomber, and then the Tie Reaper I mentioned earlier. Um, and those are those are your choices for all the missions. Gameplay is is fine. Um, they really got the sound design down. That's pretty awesome. It, it still hasn't gotten old hearing the, the specific, like, shield sounds when you get shot and launching torpedoes and the laser sounds from the Imperials and from the Rebel ships and, you know, all of that jazz. Like, that hasn't gotten old. Um, the space combat is, is very fun when you get kind of in the zone with it, but mechanically it's, eh, on a controller. Once you fix the control layout, yeah, it's it goes from being dog shit to eh, it's okay. Yeah, which I it requires a hell of an investment to be able to rebound pretty much everything. See, I didn't have to do that. All I did was I swapped from I forget what the scheme was, but just the the one that changed the stick layout so that the right thumbstick was uh, see, pitch I, and roll. See, I didn't change what the scheme was. I went into the bindings and started changing things. So there's my problem. Gotcha. Yeah. But, I mean, the other button placements are kind of weird, too. I'm very used to ace combat on the controller, so yaw being on one of the thumbsticks is weird. And the fact that they're using a perfectly good uh, trigger for a, a, a digital thing, right? Yeah. Or actually two triggers, because one of them is targeting and the other one... What was the other one? Well, I mean, right trigger is shooting, and left uh, trigger yeah, is targeting. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just wah, right? Yeah. So, you, you're pretty eh at best on it, and I'm like... Actually, very... Yeah, it's uh, fun. Very, uh... Just, yeah. just because the controls are terrible, or the default ones. I mean, here's here's how I feel about it. If you're a hardcore Star Wars fan, like, the hardest of hardcore, and you somehow haven't purchased it yet... And you don't have or don't want to get EA Play or um, uh, Xbox PC Game Pass or whatever. Like, pay ten bucks for it. Play the story. You'll enjoy it. If if you're not a hardcore Star Wars fan, don't buy it. 
if you have one of these services that where you can play it through a subscription service, download it and play the story. Um, I think you'll enjoy it if you have even like a cursory interest in Star Wars. Otherwise, like, eh, don't worry about it. Yeah, but the problem Which sucks, is because I really like Star Wars. Yeah, but the problem is that it's an EA game, so if you're not going to go for the services, uh, Historiclo is still just over seventeen bucks. Yeah, that's too much. That's too much for this game. And that I mean, and like that's said, Green the, Man Gaming. Uh, yeah. The Historiclo elsewhere is in the low twenties. Yeah, Steam's Historical is nineteen ninety nine. That's way, way too much for this, it seems like. Yeah. What's the Steam concurrent player numbers? It had been well under a thousand. I think it had even been under five hundred. Um I mean I think that's the only data we're gonna have for it, but um Star Wars Squadron. Uh in the two to two hundreds to seven hundreds. Uh, okay. Over the course of uh, the day, yeah. So low is in the two hundreds, and then it goes up to se- about seven hundred, with uh, peak on the last week at just over a thousand. Yeah. Uh, okay, it looks like peak that's, is twelve hundred uh, for that's Sunday not to sustain the multiplayer. If I guess, I mean, it does have a co op multiplayer mode. It's not story co op. It's just like co op. It's the multiplayer stuff, but co op instead of competitive. So you fight for one side, and the computer's the other. Um, I mean, if you've got enough friends to fill out a squadron, which is five people for co-op, well, then, so much for that, you know, right? That would work. Yeah. I mean, I guess two people could try to play, but as far as I can tell from what I've looked at, um, you don't get like AI teammates. It's just like you and whoever goes along with you. So they went with the, uh, the shitty battlefield co-op model. Yeah. Let's just put it this way. Uh, on, I'm assuming this is released October 2nd. I'm not on the Steam page. 38... Oh, I... Uh, sorry, 36,400 people on October 2nd. October 4th, 25,500. October 6th, 16,000. October 9th, 9,000. Yeah. And by... I'm really glad I didn't buy this. Yeah. I almost did. I almost bought it. But then I went, nah, I don't need to buy any new games right now. And I made the right choice. And I'm assuming the glory is either uh, is that story or is that the multiplayer thing to get glory to get the cosmetic stuff. Oh yeah, that's multiplayer. Yeah, so I'm not getting sure. any multiplayer or any uh, cosmetic stuff, which is a shame. Yeah, there was like a one cosmetic thing that I got, but it was just like a hey, you're playing, and it's like a special thing. Here you go. But no, the glory is from, from multiplayer. Yep. Glorious. So I think of glorious like credits in any other yeah, game. Yeah, I figured That's it what was it is. most it's likely multiplayer, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. And let's be honest, the only people that are sticking with this game right now are the hardest of hardcores. Yep, and I definitely don't want to play with them online. Yeah, we don't have enough to be able to fill out a squad because, of course, we don't. Nope. So yeah, Star Wars Squadrons. Meh. Mostly sad. Um, and then that brings me to the other game that I played this week that I'm going to talk about, which is Turmoil. Uh, Turmoil is a game that released in 2016. Um, I bought it when it was in early access in like mid 2015. Yeah, I, I think, think I played this when it uh, went on uh, at the time Twitch Gaming, which is now uh, Prime Gaming or whatever the hell they're rebranding it this week. Yeah. So Turmoil is a. Um, 
uh, like a strategy management puzzle game. In essence, you're it's it's in the uh, late 1800s, and you have gone west for oil, um, to dig for oil, and you pick from a a cast of characters that are all kind of silly caricatures, um, and you you start an oil company, and you get some startup cost and or some sorry some startup funds, and the way the game plays is that each well, once the game gets going, it gets you through the tutorial. Each uh, parcel of land that you get, you you mine it for, or you drill for oil for a whole year. And so, like, you go to this town, you set up shop, there's an auction at the start of every season, or every year, where you buy some land, um, and you bid against the other, other characters or NPCs for the land. And... Um, in the beginning, you, you know, you, you don't really, nobody really bids against anybody else because there's lots of land. But of course, as the land shrinks and as it gets drilled out, you can see the sort of, it, it gets like a score that you can see after the fact. And the land around it is going to be closer to that score. So you get a piece of land that's got like a score of 60, which is really, I mean, it's from zero to 100. But in the early game, most of the stuff you see is like in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. But, you know, you see a piece of land that's got like 50. Well, the chances are the land, parcels of land around that are going to be worth, are going to have more oil under the ground, you know, be higher rated. And so you might get into a bidding war with with the NPCs for that. And also, Um, I typically don't. It also comes down uh, to a lot of snowballing because you carry over money that you uh, get. Yep. So, I mean, I don't really bid against the NPCs. It's not worth it um, because you might wind up spending ten dollars or $15,000 for a parcel of land later on in the game. And then any upgrades that you might have and, you know, needing to have the right equipment and things to make sure that you get all the oil out of the ground. Like, you could wind up it'd be a worse investment than just spending less money on a piece of land that's not as good. And as the game goes on, there's other resources that you get, like diamonds and ore, um, other like gems and stuff, that have effects that you can use in-game. Like, for example, if you mine a diamond, you can choose to sell it for just a flat fee, um, or you can use it to give, to extend the season beyond... Um, you know, because it it ends on December thirty first, but essentially you like pause time for a little while, and you can you can mine for free. Um, you know, from a time perspective, and so if you're trying to get you know the last bit of extraction done, or you've got a big oil reserve that you've built up, and the price gets really good, and you want to freeze it there and sell it at the good price, then you pop the diamond, and you can do that, and it, it's like one minute of in of real world time that you have to to do that and if you have more than one you can keep popping them and like there's no limit on it as far as i can tell or you can just use to sell them for a, a pretty decent flat fee um it it can vary a little bit but um it's usually a couple thousand bucks which can get you some upgrades on the map that you're on or can push you over the edge to be able to buy something that you need later on which in between seasons there are these shops that pop up where you can get upgrades to your drilling equipment or to the uh, transportation that you're using, which is, you know, horse carts with oil barrels on them, basically. You upgrade your storage. It's got some fun little powers, like, to find oil. Like, you start out with just, like, a dowser, which, if anyone doesn't know, like, a dowsing rod is, like... I mean, it's bullshit. It's fake. But people used to think that you could take, like, a Y-shaped stick and walk around and find water. Yeah, when so, like, they got a, the, you know, the metal coat hangers. 
right? But, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, so you've got a dowser, and he walks around and finds oil for you, and then you can get a mole that digs under the ground and reveals sort of random portions of it, and you can look for oil that way. And you get a scanner and and other stuff eventually, like, you you know, level up into that. There are people you can pay bribes to so that, for example, during the the season, um, one of the oil companies, like, it, they're just called Left Oil and Right Oil. So, you know, Left Oil, its price will never drop below a dollar per, you know, gallon or whatever. Um, or a barrel. Or a dollar per barrel. And the price fluctuates up and down throughout the season. So, you know, that can be a really good deal if, if the bribe is, is low enough or, you know, you're in a good position for that. Or you can bribe people to have lower fees if you spill or, um, uh, for example, uh, what are some of the other things? Um, lower fees. Oh, if you borrow money, um, you have, get to pay it back at a lower interest rate or maybe not even pay it back at all. Um, so there's, you know, there's different people you can bribe for different things. And then sort of the final goal that it introduces is like the mayor of the town wants to retire. And so he sells off his shares of mayorship because, of course, you know, that's I mean, you know, that's just how politics works. Honestly, like voting doesn't matter. Well, um, so, oh, well, hey, it's the most realistic thing in the game. True. But he, he sells off his his mayorship. And at the end of every season, um, you bid for a percentage of shares. And it's kind of random how much or how many shares he puts up for sale. And you can basically bid whatever you want and they will take, uh, you know, the highest bidder. So you got to outbid the other, other players, but also not bid too much, but also not bid too much. Yeah. So that you can't keep going. And, and obviously like the upgrades get way more expensive as time goes on. The maps get more complex with the introduction of other resources and materials. Um, but essentially, it all kind of boils down to the same strategy. And I've played through, I'm in the third, there's four areas, and they get sort of increasingly more complex as you go. There's like a prairie, desert, mountains, and I forget what the other, other one is. Um, and, and I'm in the third area. But my strategy hasn't really evolved. It's just... I am because of the scale increases as you go on, like gradually the land just gets better over time. Anyways, I'm making more money every time, but my strategy is like drop down two or three dowsers at the beginning. They find some oil, drop down an oil rig, drill down and start mining the oil, uh, storage for when the prices are low, bunch of horses to sell when the prices are high, every single level. Occasionally find a couple diamonds, do some stuff with them. I've now found natural gas and you can pipe natural gas to the oil companies so that you get a persistently higher price. But the invest, the upfront investment to make that happen so far has not been worth actually following through on it. So basically, whenever I find natural gas, I just close off the lines for the natural gas because it causes an overpressure in your oil system and forces it to leak and spew oil everywhere. So as soon as I find one, I just like shut it down and avoid it. Because it's not worth it to expand. And I, I don't know what's going to be introduced in the fourth area. But it, it just has become like, like it's the same strategy. And I'm essentially like just walking away from the NPCs. Like it's not even a challenge anymore. So at this point it's it's more about beating a high score than it is winning the strategy portion of the game. Like I already won the strategy portion. So, you know, I'm just like following through till the end. But I, I have, I mean, I did enjoy it when I first started playing it. 
Um, the first two or three hours that I played it, I had a good time with it. It only takes yeah five to ten minutes to do one of these little seasons. So you, so they go fairly rapidly. You don't feel like you're just sitting and wasting a lot of time. Initially, it's very engaging. But like I said, once I kind of got a system that worked for me, I just haven't deviated from that, and it's been very samey. So yeah, which was there's a, a criticism of it. It just once you got to a certain point, it just didn't really offer much in the way of uh, other mechanics. There's a second campaign that I haven't looked at yet. I don't know if that does anything different. <clears throat> but honestly, like a couple times I've looked at it over the weekend, I've, I've thought about playing it and then I just went, nah, I'll play something else. So I might actually be done with, with turmoil. So it's a, it's got a cute art style. It's got a nice sort of 1800s Western soundtrack vibe, like upbeat Western, um, you know, and that's nice. And perhaps you listener would find this more enjoyable than I do. Um, it's not very expensive. Even at full price, it's ten bucks. It regularly goes on sale for half that. Uh, looks like it's historic low. It's been given away a couple of times. Um, has been part of a bundle a few times. <clears throat> on Steam, it's been as low as like four bucks. So, you know, if it sounds intriguing, um, might be worth it to you. And it definitely runs well on low power machines as well. If that's a concern for you, having a really shitty PC or a toaster or a fridge, you know, it, it, it would run on those things. Yeah, look, actually, the historic low on Steam is two bucks. Oh, okay. Uh, cool. It was given away on itch.io. It, it was given away, I be, I'm pretty sure, on Prime Gaming. Uh, typically goes down to the mid three buck range on average. Uh, of course, that zero is probably bringing it down quite a bit, but yeah, I'm seeing. It looks like the, the only place that hasn't had a severe discount is like uh, New Egg, right? Because of course, New Egg, of course. So yeah, uh, <coughs> just wait. Uh, you'll be able to grab it uh, on uh, uh, Steam for you know, practically nothing. Actually, it looks like yeah. there's a voucher right now for five percent off on it. Uh, it was so. in uh, two humble bundles that that might be where I got it at some point. Uh, as well as oh, here here's one that'll bring you back. Loot crate. <laughs> it was in loot crate at one point. <laughs> oh man, yeah. But you know, it's it's a fun enough game for a little while. If if you like that sort of thing and you get it cheap enough, I think it's worth it. So there you go. Uh, turmoil. Yeah, it looks like there is some sort of new mechanics in the DLC. Uh, the heat is on, but I'm not okay. sure what it is exactly. I'm assuming that's what you're talking about with the DLC uh, campaign you brought up. I guess. I don't know. I've, I I mean, I had access to it. I could play it, but I started with the original campaign. Uh, looks and like uh, it has magma uh, to deal with. So that could be interesting. And it shows that you... Possibly. Element. Yeah. Like I said, I bought this when it was on early access. And, and some sort of card I game made gotten... game uh, with other underground treasures other than diamonds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's also a cat walking around the village. He doesn't do a whole lot, but what can you expect from these creatures? <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like uh, they threw in a few interesting mechanics. Uh, so that's why the heat is on. Magma uh, to deal with. It also looks like you're able to, ta- uh, to tap it for something. Probably some kind of boost. Um, but yeah. So... Let's, uh, you ready to do the news? Uh, yeah, let's do the news. 
the the newsies. Yeah, so uh, we brought it up before, but EA Play is coming or has come to Xbox Game Pass on PC. Uh, about damn time, right? Yeah, it was uh, what three months late. Yeah, after they announced it, and then we're like, no, we have to work something out. Yeah, basically, from what it seems like, the uh, the way it uh, the the reason why they had to wait was. EA seemed to vastly overestimate just how quickly they could get their new beta replacement for Origin out. And that's what they were trying to tie the uh, uh, Xbox Game Pass into. And because it wasn't ready, they waited to the day of to just say, eh, yeah, eh, yeah, we're not doing that today. Yeah. So, hey, uh, we get to download a new launcher. Woo. I hate it. Its user interface is worse than Origin, which is quite uh, the thing. And, and I can't seem to connect it to my Origin account, which, uh, or, may, I'm very confused. Okay, so I spent some time on their site. Yeah, from what I understand, not all Origin games are available in it yet. So if you're in the same account, uh, they haven't transferred everything over yet because, of course, they haven't. Of course. So you're pretty much just getting the EA. Uh, pass uh, whatever tier you're on for the game pass it's just the base tier and maybe a couple other games and that's it uh and also the more annoying thing is that in order to uninstall a game you have to actually go into the uh to the control panel and uninstall there because of course i didn't know that i haven't tried to uninstall anything though i guess so well i just saw that pop up and thought huh I hadn't tried to install either, but uh, that's a thing, right? It does seem like yeah. it downloads pretty quickly, so there is that. And after it had eventually connected, it did work pretty well. It took it probably a good 10 minutes to realize, oh, uh, yeah, you do have a membership through Game Pass. Um, okay, um, uh, welcome aboard. Yeah, mine, mine worked through Game Pass, no problem, but I can't log in to my EA account through it. So it thinks I'm just like some guest user through Game Pass. And so none of my other stuff is on there yet. So I don't know what's up with that. I gotta I gotta try and fix it, but I haven't invested the time yet to try to do that. But it does download faster than than uh, the Xbox app. So that's good. I can actually look and see that it's using while my connection speed is not the best, it is using all of it yeah. as opposed to Microsoft, which only uses about half of it at best. Yeah, yeah, I download stuff in like 10, 15 minutes, which is nice. Yeah. I've got some other games that I'm going to be checking out soon. Um, I very briefly played Command & Conquer, the, the remaster, but I want to play it a little bit more to see if there are some other differences. And then I have downloaded Battlefront 2. Accidentally. Or, uh, I was going to fire up Xbox and accidentally loaded up a game. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> whoops whoops i don't want but to I've that downloaded... in case it hits uh, uh audacity can't do that yeah but i've downloaded battlefront 2 because i want to play the single player story from that um and then there's some other stuff that i want to play uh like dragon age uh inquisition uh i thoroughly enjoyed that playing it a few years ago on xbox so we'll have to be better on pc yeah that's what my new controller is is gonna debut on that i ordered very excited yeah, uh, uh, mine's been uh, doing laps in Forza for a while, uh, and the uh, swapping out from 
Bluetooth 2.0 to 5.1 seems to have fixed a lot of my issues. It can actually help a lot faster now. Mm-hmm. Nice. And seems to be a lot more stable. But yeah, I'm, I do have uh, Jedi Fallen Order downloaded uh, and A Way Out and Titanfall 2. Uh, if we get around to it, maybe we'll do A Way Out at some point. Uh, yeah. But we still have We Were Here. Uh, we've been goofing around in Forza. I do want to try out Unravel at some point and maybe do Unravel 2 because that's a rather cute uh, puzzle platformer. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I want to tackle the Mass Effect series because uh, I really liked the first one. The second one I had some issue with. I thought the gameplay was better, but it felt like they were stripping back too much of the RPG elements. I know too much about 3 to really want to dive into it. I'm waiting for the remaster to come out here soon because I am going to play the remaster um, and just see, like, I mean, I have said many times that Mass Effect is my favorite game series or game trilogy of all time, and I, I would like to replay it because it's been, uh, I was still living at my old house then, so at least five years since the last time I touched the original trilogy, maybe longer. So yeah, uh, Jade Empire. It's uh, I haven't played that in ages, but that's well worth a look. It's yeah, Jade Empire is really good. Yeah, it's sort of that last uh, uh, gra- uh, gasp of yeah, uh, you know, Bioware being Bioware before EA. Yeah, uh, Mirror's Edge. I had some severe issues running into my old system. I might try it again. I just had some massive screen tearing. Yeah, uh, the saboteur I've heard was pretty decent. Um, you know, it, speaking more generally about Game Pass at this point, I mean, if you pay for Game Pass, which is ten bucks a month for the regular PC Game Pass or nine ninety nine or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you're you've got two hundred games because Xbox has got their or Microsoft has got like what a hundred and. Somewhere between 100 and 125, like it fluctuates a little bit what comes yeah, and goes. But. Yeah, and this month, uh, well, at least for the rest of the month, we're losing uh, Machinarium and Hyperdot off of it, but getting some quite amazing ones. Uh, Octopath Traveler was one I wasn't expecting to see on there. Yeah, Octopath Traveler is one that I've wanted to play, um, so I'm looking forward to that. But anyways, I mean, you've got, you know, 100... Let's just say 125 games, and it fluctuates up or down a little bit. But 125 games for Microsoft, plus uh, 60-something. What is it, 65 or something like that from EA? And then another 20 or 30 from Bethesda? I don't actually know how many Bethesda games are on the service. But, I mean, you're looking at roughly 200 games, access to 200 games for 10 bucks a month. Like, fucking, like, Microsoft is doing it. Like... We, because I've said many times, we've both said on this show, but especially me, like, you know, some type of like Netflix for video games is going to be like a huge thing whenever they get it figured out. And Microsoft is doing it. Yeah. And that's the thing is that Stadia has built itself trying to be the uh, Netflix of games, but they're more like the red box. Yeah. Where you have to really pick and choose. Sure, you could get the subscription. I get a handful of games, but it's not that great. I mean, it's just, it blows my mind that Google can't figure this out, right? Yeah. But, I mean, Microsoft is one of the, the companies that I've 
I said would have the best shot at, at figuring it out. It was like Microsoft, Google, and Amazon. And it looks like Microsoft is uh, first to the party. I mean, it's great. Everybody at the – unless – I mean, you really only – and well, I, that's not really true. I was going to say unless you really exclusively only care about indie games. But there have been quite a few niche indie titles that have shown up on the service. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that if you play games and you have the the disposable income, it's worth it. Ten bucks a month, 120 bucks a year. Like, as long as that's, you know, available to you in your budget, Game Pass is so worth it. Just get Game Pass at this point. If the service falls apart at some point in the future, then, then you know, just stop paying for it. But right now, mwah, so good. Chef kiss. Yeah, I'll say that the probably the closest pe- comparator we're going to see uh, to Game Pass for the title of Netflix for Games would probably be, at least with the way they're trying to do it, is Amazon Luna. But that, yeah, it, this is still dealing with streaming technology. And in the U.S., the country is just too spread out. And the infrastructure is too shit. Yeah. Uh, but they're at least trying to approach it as the Netflix model of paying in uh, for an amount of games, uh, unlimited amount once you buy in. But I'm looking at their game list. So it's uh, in the introductory period. I think it's six bucks a month, five ninety nine, uh, for the base mode. I'm just double checking my pricing because I I got the invite for the uh, beta, and saw ooh, uh, I'm having to pay for this. Nope, 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 nope. nope. Not- yeah, I saw, I got invited to the beta, but my spam folder ate it, and so I saw it after the period to accept the beta invitation had already expired. Okay, so, uh, and this is the early access price. It's $5.99 for unlimited hours of gameplay, a growing library of games, including Control, Grid, and Metro Exodus, uh, 180p, 60fps, with promise of 4K soon, two devices at a time, uh, with streaming on Windows, PC, Mac, uh, Fire TV, web apps for iPhone, iPad, and select Android phones. And honestly, the, the game list, it's not terrible, but at the same time, it's a lot of, it's a lot of the same games we see other places as well. <laughs> uh, like uh, the SteamWorld Dig series, Everspace, um, Control, right? Yeah. Grid. Um, I actually don't have any of the Star Wars games, but it's just... Uh, there's a total of 78 to- titles total and they've only added five with another uh, with a sixth one uh being uh to be announced since the uh, original beta release in October those being 13 Assassin's Creed Valhalla which m- that might be require the additional tier of Ubisoft Plus because it's its own thing of an additional $15 because Ubisoft, right? Right. Uh, honestly, I think you'd have to pay me $15 uh, to play a Ubisoft game at this point. Uh, you play Far Cry. <laughs> I didn't pay you $15. Yeah. But, or do you mean a yeah, new yeah, Ubisoft but, game? Uh, well, you, you asked very nicely. <laughs> Aww. And you gave me an ice cream maker, so there is that. I did do that. I guess technically I did pay you. So, Yeah. I, I reapplied to the the Luna 
beta or whatever. And I, I might give it a shot just to see how it works. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I'll stick with it long term. Yeah, I just, I, I noped out of it whenever I saw it was a paid beta. I just could not bring myself on it. Yeah. Although it still has the opportunity to you know, be something that Stadia isn't, as in good. <laughs> right. Because they're not in the middle of overhyping the fuck out of it right now. Yeah. Uh, they, they've, Amazon's actually been very quiet about Luna, have you noticed? At least as I far, have. Or at least as far as I know or I've paid yeah, attention. Yeah, I have noticed. Well, I, I haven't seen very much about it at all. A little bit, but not a lot. Not like how Google was with Stadia. Yeah, yeah. during the Game Awards, talking about how amazing Stadia is. I'm just sitting here thinking, nope. No, that's a lie. Seems uh, unlikely. Uh, maybe in three or four years, if, the, if Google uh, has the attention span to keep with it. Yeah. Let's be real, though. They won't. Stadia's done. I'm not going to declare it dead yet, but I think it's on life support. It's on life support and bleeding out through its lungs. Yeah. Well, we got way off topic from EA uh, Game Pass. So shall we uh, jump to another topic? Uh, Yeah, let's do that. Um, Our next news topic. A Japanese company takes a day off for Monster Hunter Rise launch. And this was kind of a feel good and kind of a odd topic as well. But it's more just the fact that Monster Hunter Rise, especially this one company, is so big in Japan that they had to just shut down for the day. Yeah. Um, Monster, yeah, Monster Hunter is a huge deal in Japan. Which, I mean, Monster Hunter is a good game, and Rise is essentially supposed to be more of just the most recent, you know, Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter World. Um, <clears throat> and uh, a lot of people had already planned to take a day off, and the company was just like, you know what, fuck it. Well, and this is, let's, just, let's just all take the day off to play Monster Hunter. And this is Mark on Company Limited which is focused on VR and 3D modeling. So it would make sense that there's a lot of gamers there. Yeah. So basically saying, so. Eh, company-wide day off uh, in three days uh, because, yeah, we weren't going to do much anyway. And, and considering that... Uh, boy, this is going to potentially come off uh, wrong, but considering the stereotype of the Japanese uh, work ethic, having that many people call in should make it very clear just how big this game is in Japan. Yeah. When Nintendo did the open beta slash stress test, because let's be honest, it's not a beta, it's a stress test. Uh, They had so many people playing that they had server issues because it was peer-to-peer, but they were just overloading the essentially the matchmaking server, if what I've read is correct, causing multiplayer uh, games to just chug. I mean, it it was crazy. I played a little bit of it. I, I had trouble getting into it. I think it might just be the fact that I have no idea what to do with Monster Hunter. So I keep bouncing off of it. And I might need you know, yeah. to go in with someone. Yeah, Monster Hunter is definitely, um, you know, world and I guess, you know, forward from there is, is much more multiplayer oriented. Like, multiplayer has been a big part of previous Monster Hunter games, but... They have been more single player designed with multiplayer as, you know, hey, we, we, you know, we do it right if you're able to use it, but you don't have to. And certainly you don't have to have multiplayer to do Monster Hunter World either, but it it feels much more like a core design component of the game. So, I mean, if you buy or get Monster, do you have Monster Hunter World? No, 
No. So, I mean, so if you get it, I would be more than happy to, to play with you. I mean, I'm not super duper far into the game. I'm maybe halfway through the main story. Well, further than but I, I would. That's true. But I mean, I, you know, I'd tag along and see if I could, if I could help you. Um, Comment on my I go through sort of, <laughs> I go through phases where I really am interested in playing it. And then it kind of drops off of, or I, it kind of drops off my radar for a while. But yeah, you know, the idea of this being a feel good story, like it, it's nice. Like work culture in corporate culture in Japan is not good. What I'm about to say is not like, oh yeah, corporate culture in Japan is still great. It's not. But I couldn't, like, Japan is a, uh, an interesting enough place, I'll say, um, that I could totally see this happening in Japan. Like with all of the interesting, strange, and a lot of times weird stuff that happens in Japan, like I could totally see him being like, yeah, you know what? Enough people play this, we'll shut it down. It, that would never happen in America. In America, you, they would fire the entire staff of a building or something. Like, oh, you're all going to take off to play this video game, huh? Well, get fucked. Be fired. Because America sucks. So, it's neat. I don't, I don't know if you're uh, just being quiet uh, well, or if I well, lost I'm not, you. Well, I'm not sure if there's anything else really to say other than, you know, a nice feel-good story that uh, you know, people enjoy Monster Hunter. Yeah. So, how about a game that people won't be able to enjoy? Right. Um, Disco Elysium, the final cut, refused classification in Australia, which, uh, makes sense. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, potentially controversial, um, content in there. And Australia has got a very strict classification board. And so, you know, they're essentially beyond the highest rating that the board will classify them for, you know, in a nutshell. Yeah, which is is, is which the is original kind of, Disco Elysium uh, actually, I'm available not sure. in Australia? I'm not sure. Um I do know that uh Australia has an eighteen plus or an adult only rating that they refuse to use, at least as far as I know. Yeah. I'm I'm reading <clears throat> more in depth in the article to see if if like some version of Disco Elysium is available for purchase in Australia. Uh let's see. Um, okay, so you can play Disco Elysium on Steam. Like, you can buy it on Steam in Australia and play it that way. But Final Cut, you can't. Um, set to launch in Australia. Final Cut, that is, set to launch in Australia on PS5 and 4 later in the month, with releases following later in the year for both Xbox and Nintendo Switch. So this throws a wrench into the console releases. Yeah. Because that's where it is. The the, the Final Cut, it's uh, basically... A director's cut that's going to be released on consoles, and that's where the the rub is. Yeah, looks like if you own the base game on PC, you get all of the additional content that has been part of the final cut uh, as just an update. Yeah, essentially uh, Divinity uh, model. Yeah, which I've wanted to pick it up before, just you know, never got a chance to. At this point, I'm just kind of waiting to see if it shows up on Game Pass. True. <laughs> uh, you know, if the, it gets down... Yeah, that's the other thing, is that you know, Game Pass has kind of ruined me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, certainly if it gets down cheap enough, I'd buy it in a heartbeat. Like, if, if Disco Elysium went on sale for, like, ten bucks, I'd buy it tomorrow. Because I think it's worth that. Like, easily worth that. Um, You know, I've almost pulled the trigger on it a couple of times at, you know, 35, 40 bucks. But, you know, I, I haven't for various reasons. Sort of my trying to be good about not buying new games all the time and stuff like that, you know, so I've, I've resisted, but you know, if it comes to game pass, like, you know, that's easy, 
easy to just play yeah, it. Yeah, because you already have it. Absolutely. <clears throat> Essentially, what I'm doing is shilling for Game Pass at this point. I mean, so, Game Pass please... is how many services in one now? Before you Three. even get to Ultimate, which has yeah. uh, the, the streaming technology in it as well. Well, if you get Game Pass Ultimate, you get the that, you know, what, what you're talking about, the streaming to, what is it, mobile devices? Yeah, which um, is supposed to come to PC then, before too long. And then you also get the Xbox Game Pass and Xbox Live Gold. And uh, I think there's one other thing. Some sort of perks as well, for, but that's mostly on Xbox. Yeah. So, anyways. Yeah. Hopefully it comes to uh, to Game Pass. That would be great. But if it doesn't, <laughs> I, at some point I'll be buying it and playing it. There's no reason not to. I would love this game. Yeah, I still need to go back and play Divinity. It just Divinity 2? Yeah, yeah. Well, Divinity 2, sorry. Because we've already dealt with the God Box. <laughs> right. Just do Medora at it. My, now my so- you have to deal with, with the God Woken. Oh, th- that's my solution to everything. Throw Medora at it. Tell her the cats were behind it. The feline menace. The feline menace. You were you were slightly ahead of me on that, but we got there at more or less the same time. Yep. So, all right. Uh, did we? That I mean, that does it for our news topics this week. Do we have anything, anything. in community Let me corner? Go double check the new, uh, the email just to be safe. Uh, I don't see anything in here other than moths. Okay. So if you was to uh, scare the hell out of the moths, you could do so. VGL podcast at gmail.com. Uh, Tweet us VGL podcast on the Twitter or, well, I drop by Discord uh, like Jim has the last few weeks. Uh, you find that over at VGL podcast.podbean.com. Indeed. So, I think, then let's. Yeah, uh, I think we're early nope. enough to hit the music, right? Yep. Yeah, I'm feeling sleepy, but I think I can, I can make it. It's only 1140. Uh, So yeah, let's uh, doobly-doo for a Discovery queue. Yeah, it's such a shame I didn't have the Discovery queue up and running and, you know, I'm already pasting in Ponyo Ponyo Tetris 2. Oh, wait. So Japan's beloved puzzle game series, Ponyo Ponyo, and the world's uh, uh, world-round Tetris game franchise has teamed up again to deliver even more Ponyo-popping and Tetramedro clearing fun. I mean, it, I mean, this is just an odd combination. I never played the first one, but uh, if you're if you're a fan of the first one, there you go, right? Yeah, there you go. I mean, it's really hard uh, to argue against more Tetris, right? Or a good Tetris, I should say. Yeah, Tetris is always good. Uh, well, that that specific statement is a lie. Good Tetris is always good fun and welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got OMFG, One Million Fatal Guns. Uh, it's a free-to-play, uh, FPS arena shooter with roguelike elements. I don't know. It's, normally I wouldn't go for, like, put this in my queue, but I kind of am, you know, I am a shit-tier human, and the fact that it's called OMFG, One Million Fatal Guns is kind of like, alright, sure, so... I don't know. It doesn't look good. It has almost no players. It is free, and it looks bad. And you should hopefully feel bad. it's laugh at it bad. Hopefully it's laugh at it bad instead of just being like, "Oh my god, why did you talk about this, Jared?" Bad. Well, I got Overcooked. All you can eat. This is a remaster of the original Overcooked game. That the main thing is they updated the graphics, but also put in 
online multiplayer or online co-op i guess i should say so you get so yeah you don't have to have couch co-op it does look like they pissed off a lot of people because the loyalty bonus was only 15 percent, and there's some issues with the online because it just launched i'm not sure is this on at game pass because it is uh i saw the other well, i ones. think the second one was uh, and i saw the first one actually oh okay so i wasn't sure if it was this one or that now, now i gotta go check right because remember we tried to play the second one and have and had issues with it yeah because you couldn't actually like join a, a game with someone else mm-hmm. you could only try to randomly match make yeah. on pc uh, on on the Game Pass version, the Steam version, you could, but uh, I don't see it. But maybe I'm uh, mistaken there. But yeah, yeah. so actually, you know, tried to uh, fix some of the issues with the original uh, Overcooked, so where people could play it. Always good. Always good. So I got uh, Tadpole Tales, which is a, a shmup um, that is doing the hand drawn cartoon animations. Like, uh, uh, like Cuphead. Um, this is, this is, you know, I think a Cuphead inspired art style a bit. Um, but you're playing like a tadpole in a river as you swim up and try to grow into a big old frog and you're shooting other creatures or bugs or something and also solving pollution somehow because they're, they're like, this is a clean up game. About a tadpole cleaning rivers and fighting pollution. But it's like you're shooting bugs. And in this picture, you shoot a boot. And in this picture, you shoot a duck who has rockets for some reason. Video game logic. Ding. It's free to play, so that's interesting. Um, might check it out. They're, I mean, they're saying like in the description of the game, it's very short. So, who knows? Free to play. Might want to check it out. Okay, so I got rolled out. This is essentially a... A spiritual uh, sequel to Super Monkey Ball. Only it's hamsters because, yeah, right? Uh, right. I never got to play Super Monkey Ball. That was on GameCube, if I recall correctly. Uh, I do know that it got, yeah, shit got real really quickly uh, in that game. And it looks like, you know, they follow that, uh, <laughs> that right now. Uh, with this one, 150 stages across a range of difficulties. It's an early access, though, so um, they say that they have fully implemented uh, uh, core systems and uh, behaviors at 150 levels, uh, along with the first character, Morris the Rat. <laughs> uh, nice. I'm trying to find... Uh, they... Where is it on here? I was trying to find how long they were going to have it in early access. Uh, 12 to 18 months, according to this. So, two years. At least. Right. But, doesn't look too bad already. So, if you need more uh, Super Monkey Ball. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I got uh, Zombie Army 4 Dead War. Which is, uh, Zombie Army is a sort of a... I think it was a mode in one of the older Sniper Elite games. And it was so popular, it was spun off into its own series. Um, so it's got all the core mechanics from Sniper Elite. Most, uh, I think, favorably or most loved, belovedly, is the uh, like X-Ray kills whenever you get a, a good uh, good shot on the zombie noggin. 
or zombie testicles, uh, Nazi zombie testicles specifically. Oh, well, you um, gotta be, you know, specific. Right. Um, so, uh, I mean, it's got, I, I'm not super familiar with the ongoing story. I've played a couple of them, but it's sort of an alternate universe, World War Two, you know, Nazi zombies, etc. Um, and it's got four player co-op. Um, the series is, is still going strong, apparently. I mean, this game released recently, February 18th of, of this year, 2021. So, um, pretty much brand new. Uh, it is, though, falling, falling pretty heavily into the horrible AAA problems with uh, Deluxe Edition and a Super Deluxe Edition and two season passes. And so maybe uh, maybe stay away from, from Nazi Hitler. Uh, it, it, I, I guess you could say it's literally Hitler. Um, but anyways, you know, maybe stay away from this one, play some of the older ones, wait for all of the stuff to come out and see how the game shakes out quality wise. But I can definitely recommend the older games in the series. They're great. I've, like I said, I've played a couple of them. Um, and then just kind of Sniper Elite as a, as an aside, like Sniper Elite's good. If you find it on a good deal, all of the Sniper Elite games are good. So there you go. Okay. Well, I got, it takes two, a co-op puzzle platformer adventure uh i mean it looks rather impressive and they are heavily ledger uh, leveraging uh using remote play together to be able to play this uh with just one copy of the game which is nice uh this is actually from the same developer as a way out i believe double checking that yep uh from a way out uh developer hazel light or has light. So definitely going to uh, learn some lessons from a way out and um, uh, employ them here. Looks, looks sort of fantasy-esque. It's going to be interesting to say the least. I'm not sure about 40 bucks though. That's a bit of a... a, a yeah, that's right in that yeah, beyond the impulse buy to where it's wait and see. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that it's pure co-op too. Yeah. Um, so I got Elite Dangerous Odyssey, which is the next major expansion, uh, thereby making Elite Dangerous officially Star Citizen. Um, when this, uh, you, if you buy it now, you get access to the beta version. Like, it's not on the, you know, the li- actual live servers, but if you buy it, you get access to the beta. Um, and you can, you know, people are already playing that. Um, but essentially, it, Elite Dangerous is now Star Citizen. You've got everything from spaceship, like big capital ships you can now own and buy um, and go down on planets and drive around on there. And Odyssey lets you walk around in your spaceships and on planets and in buildings and adds first-person shooter elements and is expanding like the ground game a lot more. So we did it, everybody. We got Star Citizen and like a weird roundabout way gotcha it was a long con all along though they don't have one thing of star citizen that's very important <laughs> what uh one hell of a uh con modeled uh, and oh and also a spiraling uh game design that keeps adding unnecessary features right Elite Dangerous is one of the actual successful live service games because it's carved out a niche for itself as being the only one of these types of games in existence. Um, so 
I mean, I've talked about Elite Dangerous ad nauseum on this show. It's great. I love it. There's a huge controversy around this game, though. Seems like Frontier Development, as their company has grown in success over the last five or six years, has adopted more and more of those sort of AAA, shitty marketing controversy type stuff. And apparently with Odyssey, there's a big stink going on about how that they're withholding copies from more critical reviewers. Oh, boy. Um, that's not good. So, uh, no, that's not good. So we might see Elite Dangerous over the next couple of years run into some issues if they continue on that trend. But uh, for the moment, you know, looking at this at recently, around March of 2021, you know. they're the current year. The current year. Then uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this, although I'm not going to pay... 40 bucks for it. Uh, I'll wait for it to go on sale at some point. Probably the next time I'm ready to, uh, you know, to dive into Elite Dangerous and get my Hotas out again is when I'll buy it. So, you know, next year, maybe two years, something like that. Okay, so I got an odd one that I think I had to highlight because this one seems like it's more up your alley. Wanted Raccoon. Basically, a slightly more serious goat simulator game where you're a raccoon exploring the world and causing havoc because of course it's odd some of the trailers are you know kind of highlight just you know just random randomness but actually it doesn't look terrible either it does seem like a lot of it is early access and there's a lot of you know oddity that they haven't you know that requires a lot you know a lot more development to go through i mean i mean does it look bad either that's kind of the weird thing though because whenever i look like look at a game like this i expect it to be terrible yeah and it doesn't look terrible doesn't look great but does it look terrible either Mm, i don't know i think it looks pretty bad (laughs) Uh, who knows though maybe my uh, uh tolerance for random animal simulators is a lot lower perhaps perhaps um, so I got one called Adios. Uh, I'm just going to read the blurb for this one. I find this extremely interesting, um, and I don't want to get too deep into it, um, at least not right now, because I, I don't want to spoil something, because I might buy this one. A, a, a pig farmer decides he no longer wants to dispose of bodies for the mob. What follows is a discussion between him and his would-be c- killer, and it's a uh, sort of a choose first-person, choose-your-own-adventure the art style, um, I would call that a little bit surrealist. Um, there's definitely some exaggeration and some stuff going on with the color palettes. That's like this is a like an art focused game, um, and uh, I don't want to get too deep into reading up on it uh, in in fear of accidentally spoiling something. But this is the sort of thing that like pops up on my radar as an interesting, potentially unique way to play a game or that gameplay can be um combined with storytelling give you unique experiences that only games can so it looks cool i'm i'm into this it's 18 dollars right now okay well i got cart uh, cartel tycoon where it's in the 80s and you're building a uh yeah a narcotics tyke or narcotics uh cartel and trying to survive i mean it looks really interesting it's batani build or public batani build it's developed by moon moose who uh has quite the uh the 
catalog of games. Some good, some not so good. I don't see any tycoon-style games in their uh, background, though, so... I mean, that doesn't mean that they uh, can't do it, though. Right. Uh, and the fact that it, this seems more like it's almost a life sim as well, where uh, you're trying to build up in the city and you're not owning everything. You're you know, part of the system. And in one of the screenshots, they showed your character getting killed by the cops. So it's definitely, you know, death is always an option, too. Yeah. Early access, though, so uh, take it with a grain of salt. And it's, you know, in the upper end of the, you know, uh, indie dev uh, going into double uh, A territory on price, and they're planning on yeah. releasing it later on in the year. So, might want to hold off on it just now and see what's going on. And yeah. uh, and there are some pretty nasty negative reviews on it. So yeah, are they nasty because of the game itself, or is this someone like moral br- brigading? Uh, like because of the game a... itself. Okay. Uh, saying that it's Tropico meets Fr- uh, Frostpunk. Uh, meets the narco ser- series uh i'm just reading from the top uh one the game uh, will not provide you an all-powerful escobar experience it's not about building a large uh, criminal empire and earning millions daily the screenshot uh, so talking about how the screenshots are a bit misleading which i can see that uh, but there's also very little control over some aspects of the game that they don't like which is fair, but it's also early access, so we'll see there. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I got uh, one called Rolled Out, which um, is like uh, someone took Marvel Blast or, you know, Marvel Blast Ultra or, or one of those games, you know, one of the games in that series, and uh, put a cute little mouse guy inside the marble and then made a game like that. Uh, it looks real cute. I have very fond memories of playing Marble Blast in school, um, in the computer lab, and then playing Marble Blast Ultra with friends on uh, um, Jared, Xbox 360. You are where I what? talked about this earlier, right? Did you? I went and looked. I didn't see. Oh, you did talk about rolled out. <laughs> Damn it! And, and so Super I, I, I got Puya, I got Puya Puya, I got overcooked, and I got. Uh, oh, okay, I, I, I thought you were just talking about like a super. Okay, fuck, <laughs> I got to confuse with one of the other ones because I I got three of the ones that you talked about already. Yeah, I, 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 I was, was saying my last that, one. I, I was I was I wasn't sure if there was another game that was of the similar title. And I was like, wait a minute, this one's very familiar. <laughs> well, fuck it, I like it. It's cute, so it's going on my list too. <laughs> oh. I have I have one more game in my queue, so let's. Uh, let me let me let me press next here. Uh, it's not doing anything. Oh, and my last game was Cartel Tycoon. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's my cue. This one doesn't have a lot of information about what the game actually is because, you know, of course it is. It's a triple A uh, AAA, uh, game from Bandai Namco, but Scarlet Nexus. Uh, it's like third person, uh, um, you know, action game. Yeah. Uh, with a heavy uh, supernatural, uh, uh, supernatural meets sci-fi, odd, right? Meets a little bit yeah. of cyberpunk as well. It looks like in the uh, screenshots. So hmm. I'm at the end of my queue. So and yeah, that's actually my last one because my last one looks absolutely horrible. Sweet. So um, 
you know, either I missed something or zoned out when you talked about rolled out. But it or, sounds or like you, or, you or liked you, it. Or you zoned out whenever I said the name of it. Possibly. Uh, either way, we both zeroed in on it as being neat. So there you go. That's uh, a, a VGL combined recommendation. Rolled out. Looks cute. So Looks Game neat. Club it is. Ga- yeah, Game Club. How expensive is it? Uh, 18 bucks. $18. Uh, that's quite a few months of Game Pass, though. Yeah, yep. Two months of Game Pass. Who knows? Maybe it'll come to Game Pass. <laughs> that's going to be your... It'll uh, definitely... That, that's going to be your solution for everything. Maybe it'll come to Game Pass. Yeah, maybe it'll maybe it'll show up on Game Pass. I gotta say, uh, their developer doesn't have the greatest of track records, though. For what? Rolled yeah. out? Bacon Man, an adventure. I see. I mean, it doesn't look terrible, but at the same time... Yeah. Fingers crossed. Cute little mouse in a marble. Well, it was a rat. Mouse. It's cuter as a mouse. Rats are ugly. Mice are cute. And he's cute. Well, it could be a cute rat. (laughs) I'm sorry. I I just saw something pop up on my news feed. Uh, GameStop plans to expand into PC gaming monitor and gaming uh, TV sales. About a fucking decade late... Yeah, a little late to the party. Last time I was at a GameStop, they had more used uh, GameCubes than they had PC games. Oh, GameStop. Oh, wait, wait. Let me, let's me let go see what their stock is worth right now. Just for shits and giggles. GameStop. Uh, oh, it, it had a big crash. I mean, it's still over... It's $158, but yesterday we were over 200 So, uh, Are you using the Royal Wii or are you on the meme train? Oh no, I'm not. I have not. I'm not buying into any of the meme stocks. At least not on purpose. The the only two I know about are, are GameStop and AMC. Yeah, I don't follow but. closely enough to know what they are. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. What is that nosedive? Let's look. One hundred ninety-seven dollars, all the way down to one hundred hundred fifty-four dollars and three cents. So fifty bucks drop drop off. But I mean, it's still up and down. February the 24th, it was back to under $50. And then two weeks ago, it's back up to 331 And now we're on a on a decline again. So yeah, I'm, I'm just staying out of it. Not worth it. I'll deal with my minor, you know, portfolio. Yeah, your soybeans. Value drop. I'll drop, yeah. I made money on my soybeans. Um, I'm waiting on them to drop under a dollar again. And then I'm going to buy a bunch of soybeans. Oh, wait. Well, maybe you could get a, a coupon at Kroger to you know, buy soybeans really cheap. hi Yeah, let's see what they're at right now. Let me pull my, uh, <laughs> my soybeans up. Uh, let's see. Oh, oh, they're they're on their way back down. They're at $1.21. Time to set up automated I s- buy. I sold at uh, $1.57. I bought them at like $0.97. Cents. I bought, I sold them at $1.57. So next time they drop under a dollar, I'm gonna gonna buy more. Love me some uh, some soybeans. You know what I also love when you hit them with the socials rage. <laughs> well, I've been caffeine rage. You can find me on Twitter bitching about uh, cutscenes looking like the worst part of a game. Over at Gaming with CR, or you can be my friend on Steam. Caffeine rage there, and you've been gaming psychologist. You can find me by searching for that on the YouTube's by. Send me a friend request, or not a friend request, follow me at JMA4707 on Twitter, or you can send me a friend request on Steam, 
by searching for jarthur4707. And also, if you join our Discord, you can talk to me on Discord. Yay, Discord. And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Monster Hunter Day. Monster nice. Hunter Day. Uh, about the only uh, holiday they get to ce- to celebrate, right? Yep. And it feels like I'm being a jerk on that, but look into some of the practices and corporate culture there. It is crazy. The fact that falling asleep at your desk is considered a compliment because you're that devoted, right? Yep. And at some points you're actually expected to just sleep in the office and not leave. Maybe we shouldn't be talking about this because EA may get some ideas. <laughs> yep, or, 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 EA definitely or Ubisoft is or, or 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 oh, CD Projekt Red. Yep. No, how, Fuck all how, of how them. They, by how, the way. how they've fallen, right? Yeah. Fuck all of those bastards, though. Huh. Especially Ubisoft, who has a <laughs> a well documented history of sexual assault and exploitation. Well, that got real. Anyway, yep. scrolling Carry all on. the way back up, once again, you could contact us, vjobpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics. You could stop by the Discord. Find a link to that over at vjobpodcast.podbean.com, along with links to all our stuff. Or if you wish to spread the love, you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this possible. You can find out more at patreon.com slash vjobpodcast. And our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kim McLeod. And our Discovery Key music is doobly Doo, uh, also by Kevin McLeod. Both can be found at incomputech.com. And as always, as the lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See you next time. Bye-bye. I know, stop screwing with you, right?